I'm Joe. And I'm Reed. And this is Double Shot, the digital journal of two young professionals navigating growth in work and life. I think part of it is indicative of like what you grow up in. And in soccer, guys make it at 18, right? Like the the rare, but yeah. they will. And you get your last like real contract maybe at 30 if you're special, but most people get their last real contract at like 28. Mm-hmm. So most of the prime time to be a soccer player, which you would think is mostly an endurance problem, is like 24, 25, 26 is when you're like really peak level. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was growing up, that's what was thought. It's so obviously not the case now. Like, there's tons of guys who are still absolutely top of the league, top of the world at, like, 31, 32, 33. How um, old is Messi now? 36. He's not one of the best players in the world right now. He's really not. I mean, well, now he's, like, he's in Miami. Dude, have you like, watched him in Miami, though? He is I watched unbelievable. The, I saw a free kick this morning. Just incredible. He scored 10 goals in seven games to start his career in Miami. Really? These are hockey numbers. People don't do that in soccer. So he's incredible, but like if you stuck him in the EPL right now, he would struggle with the pace of the game. Like he would struggle with the way the game is played. Mm-hmm. Played for City, maybe not because like they keep the ball so much. He'd probably be, I mean, he's still messy. He's still brilliant. Yeah. But he would not be what he, he would not be doing what he's doing with Inter Miami in, in England. Would you still put him like top 15 in the world? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most impactful players. Yeah. Yeah. He's nuts. He's nuts. So good. I I used to enjoy watching soccer. I can't I can't get back into it right I don't, now. I don't, I don't know. Blame you. There's many things that I don't enjoy that other people I cannot watch F one. I honestly I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> I've given up. I haven't watched a race in like months. We were talking about it last weekend with my friends because two of them are fairly like I don't know. I don't even know what it means to be a big F one fan, but they like F one. Yeah. And into it, know the drivers, yeah, like, uh, know, know the storylines, yeah. all the things. And they were trying to convince my other friend and I, like, you guys should watch it. I'm like, I have no interest in watching this. I mean, I actually think I'd have more fun watching the Monaco Grand Prix if they just didn't watch the race and they just like took me on an architecture t- architectural tour of the city that they're driving through. Or just like visit yachts. Yeah, basically. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing happens right now. Like it's nothing just, happens. Nothing happens and then Max Verstappen wins. Yeah. So boring. It's very boring. The one sport I will always be able to watch is tennis mm. because there's, it's constant action. There's yeah. never a break of action for four hours sometimes. Yeah. Tennis. It's like Hockey is that way. Mm, okay. Yeah. Hockey is that way. Hockey has a pretty equal number of breaks to tennis because it's um, like, okay, set, volley, 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 point, stop. Hockey's like face off, play, 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 stop, face off, play, 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 stop, mm-hmm. face off. And other than intermission, it's like, it's really one of the best things about the sport. It's awesome. Hockey's probably my favorite sport to watch. That's a lie. I love watching football. It's not so much for the sport. It's just sort of like, I'm actually surprised cultural, not up there for you. Um, I get, I can really only watch the EPL. Okay. I don't really like Bundesliga. You couldn't get into. I could. I could totally get into Bundesliga if um, this is hilarious. But um, the way the message is delivered also matters. Mm-hmm. So I could say the same phrase to you in two different ways, and you would be like, "One of them is fine, and one of them pisses me off." Right? Um, the announcer and 
presentation quality of the EPL is so good. Yeah. That going to anybody else is such a decrease in quality. And it's not so much that they're bad announcers. It's that you can't find people who sound as good. Like literally, this is a I like British accents problem. British announcers are the best in They're everything. They're phenomenal. Like cycling. Are they good? It's like people moving in a line yeah. for six hours, but the announcers are delightful. Uh, okay, so I've, like I've never British, really taken... Yeah. yeah, they're just good at it. Yeah, that's great. So like even going back from... Like you would think the United States sort of put sports presentations on the map, right? And NBC presents the EPL. Mm-hmm. So it's an, it's an American-owned broadcasting network. Um, the MLS, I can't watch it because of the announcers. They are so bad and it finally hit me this weekend so we were watching inter miami play uh nashville in league cup final right and it finally hit me why i can't deal with mls announcers it's because and maybe rightfully so they think that they have to educate on every single piece of soccer for the consumer Mm -hmm. because they think that americans don't know anything about soccer the whole time it's two American guys basically mansplaining you for 90 minutes. Oh. It's very frustrating. Well, you have to understand in soccer, the midfielder is supposed to do blah, 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 like stuff like that forever. Like, well, the other thing is, I oh, feel it like kills me. American sports, it's about like stats and stats and stats and stats and stats. And I don't feel that way when I experience sports as much from other, like even watching EPL, let's say. Yeah. Like, do you feel like that it's as much about that? I actually don't get it in any of soccer. They yeah. don't spend a lot of time in, in EPL or MLS or anything else. They don't spend a lot of time like... You don't get to like, this is the first time that they've done it with the big toe uh, <laughs> on their yeah. left foot no. <laughs> at the 76th minute of a game. It's like... No, I don't really experience that. Yeah, that does happen a lot in American sports. It happens in football because nothing happens in football. Football, I only love watching it because it's just like the cultural the culture, yeah. piece around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I normally watch it I, with people. I cannot stand it. There's something really great about Sunday afternoons on the couch watching football. There's some. It's like nostalgia or something. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. Just like, but it's not actually for the football. It's right? not really for the football. Yeah, it's for like the feeling of it. Um, that I like having it in the background. Like yeah. it's getting cold out. It's starting to be fall. Like you know, just you get the layers. Vibe. You have the beers. It's you have the grilled chilies food, on. Chilies on the, the It's just yeah. good. It's just good shit. But no, yeah. like. It, it finally hit me. I was like, the reason I hate watching the MLS is that they mansplain me for 90 minutes. The Bundesliga just has really, like, wicked accents that get really frustrating after a little mm-hmm. bit. And I'm just like, this is, actually, because it is, I, I think it's the second most fun league in the world to watch. Like, very aggressive. Mm-hmm. La, La Liga is, like, technically beautiful. Serie A is a little bit that way, too. But, like, it's kind of slow. There's sort of, like, a lull to a lot of the games. The Bundesliga is just, like, it's almost like watching college soccer. It's like sprint to one end of the field sprint to the other end of the field take a shot like no there's very little build-up when i watch the bundesliga but um so if they had better announcers then you might be if they had it. better announcers better presentation i think i'd be super into it yeah but the only only league that has like really captured that is the epl and and honestly man like if it's uh you know the epl plays 7 30 a.m eastern 10 a.m eastern 12 30 eastern on saturdays and, like, my favorite, it goes, I get less and less interested across the day. Even if Liverpool is playing, who's my favorite team. There's something about, like, the early morning of it mm-hmm. that also is just, like, the right feeling. Yes. So, I love that, too. I think a lot of it is, like, situational. But soccer, I mean, it's not that fun of a sport to watch. Like, let's yeah. just be honest. Like, the field looks enormous. The players look slow. It is way more fun to play. 
It's way more fun to play. It's also way more fun to watch in person. Yeah. It's so much faster. Yeah. You understand just how quickly they're moving and what they're doing with the ball. And like watching people hit the ball 70 yards on a just perfect line next to them. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. that was not like a easy thing. to. It's just like it's much more impressive. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. Yeah. Some things are better served on TV. Some things are better served in person. Football is made for TV. Yeah. Think about it. Nothing happens. You're 100% right. Seriously, when I go to a Colts game, because Katie's a huge Colts fan, I want to gouge my eyes out. It's the worst. It sucks in person. Nothing happens. And nothing happens, but when you're watching on TV, you have stats, you have announcers, you have commercial breaks, you have like all this stuff around the game. You have sideline reports are terrible, but like you have other stuff going on. And... You, you don't notice that it's been 45 seconds since anybody's done anything. And then it's a play. And then like, something always happens on a play. So you're like, oh, cool, play. And then 45 more seconds. So it's made for TV. The inverse of that is baseball, which is awful on TV, but phenomenal in person. Yeah. Sounds, smells, sights, ballpark, whole experience of that thing. Um, but really bad on TV. Like I would, I would much rather listen to baseball on the radio than on TV. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joe. So this is... The first go at a slightly revised format. Yeah. And that we are focusing more on our main topics. We're going a little bit shorter form and we're stripping out some of the what you have experienced on previous episodes around like what content are you consuming? What's yeah. going on in your world? We don't consume enough content because it's impossible to on a weekly basis get new stuff regularly. So Yeah. Like, I have a new podcast I want to talk about every week. It's like, no, no, I really don't. I actually am deleting all of my podcasts and restarting from square one. So there you go. That My feed is a disaster. There may, there will be something that comes up again in the future that's this related to that. But for now, yeah, we're going to keep it tight and we're going to jump right into our topic for today. The one that we were talking about, and I think you have some recency around this that could be useful to talk about, is the idea of appreciating reaching a goal. Mm -hmm. I think we've had some discussion previously on the show about gain and gap mindset, um, but I think it's a topic that there's a lot of nuance um, and and it's always good to revisit. So talk to me about your recent situation around achieving a goal and we can start from there. Yeah. um, Well, I think just to define gain gap for people real quick in case they aren't aware of that idea. Essentially, the idea being that there's two ways you can view progress. One is to look back and say, look how far I have come toward where I want to be. Gain. Gain. And one is to look at it only from a, look how far I still have to go to get where I want to be. Gap. Um, And I think there's probably a healthy balance of having both. Like if you only are like, look how great everything is from how far I've gotten. You probably don't really have direction to where you're trying to go. But if you're only focused on gap, it's very demoralizing. And we've both been there. I would say we, I would say both steer gap me more so than you yeah i would say like over the last year i've gotten better about not being so gap oriented Mm -hmm. but yeah we both definitely lean gap and i think most people like us who just have like goals and ambition tend to lean gap yeah you are constantly marching towards more and so you're always looking at the ground there is to make up to achieve that more because as soon as you achieve it you don't like care about that achievement you're like well what's the next thing right and then what's the next thing and so you're always living in there's more to go versus i have achieved anything yeah and that's actually an interesting sidebar i hadn't even thought about before we started recording until right now but do you think part of that's like societal hmm so let me give you an example of this. this um 
imagine you've come out of school and you're like, I'm going to buy my first car. And you're like, wow, I'm going to make like an adult purchase, right? Like, you know, there's sort of those things you do for the first time. You're like, oh, that's what that is like. You're like, I bought a car. I uh, bought a house. I, you know, like these like major milestone things that you do mm-hmm. as an adult. And you're like, I'm going to go buy a car. And you go and you buy a Honda Accord. And you're like, man, I'm, this is awesome. Love this car. This is great. And then you drive your Accord off the lot. And you see somebody drive past you in a Porsche 911. And you're like, dang, but I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And then you get fed on Instagram, somebody else's McMansion and somebody else's vacation and somebody else's car. It means the idea of like keeping up with the Joneses gets fed to you. Oh, right? yeah. That's, so does that like make you more gappy? In, like, do you think like that and, and being told like you need to strive for these things? Like inherently we're sort of told like you need to have monetary and physical um, good success. Or just that you need to be striving for success. Right, right. And so when you don't have it, you're naturally just thinking about what's What you missing, don't have and what what's you don't missing. Have. Yeah. And yeah, literally everything we consume everywhere is showing the most manicured, perfected version of anybody's existence, material things, or whatever. That yeah, it's always like you're just surrounded by that which you don't have. What you don't have. Or which you need to get rid population. of. Like we were like work in this world. <laughs> sorry excuse me my bad I work in this world where like you have toward messaging and away from messaging it's like get away from your old clunker move toward the Porsche 911 like mm-hmm. it's all about relieving the situation in which you already exist and changing it versus graduate from school bought a car that's a Honda Accord that's pre-owned with 47,000 miles on it you bought a car yeah you, you adulted. You're an adult. You know how to do that now. Like, congratulations. It's a big thing. You should be you should be excited about it. Or even going back further, like I think about the whole educational journey, right? It's like got into a top business school. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, but now I gotta think about like getting the good internship. Well, and everybody's like, well, everybody does that. Like this is I think what people do a lot. Not people. This is what I do all the time. <laughs> I don't know if other people do it or not. I think they do. I think you do. Where a goal be a goal is cool when you set it. And you think it's um, it'd be really cool to make it happen. And then the moment you do it or you see like, oh, it's going to happen, you move the goalpost and you say like, well, it's not really impressive anymore to me. Because if I could do it, the underlying statement there is like, well, if I could do it, it must not be that impressive. Well, yeah, where my mind is actually going right now is the relationship of gain and get mindset to humility. Mm. And I would actually be very curious to see for those who perhaps aren't super humble. Yeah where the tendency lies with gain and gap mindset. Because, for example, like, let's say achieving a goal, right? Uh, You achieve some big CrossFit goal. I achieve some time in the half marathon. And immediately we're, like, on to the next thing. Don't appreciate that gain. And also, if anybody talks to you about those achievements, like, you're a humble person. You're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I smashed that competition. You're like, yeah, you know, it's okay. It's like, I want to do better. Same with me, right? Like anytime anybody asks me about like a half marathon time, I'm like, yeah, it's it's whatever. Yeah. It's like, and in that you're like knocking down the achievement, which is competing against that gain mindset. Yeah. It's interesting though, because take somebody like, um, your favorite person. Let's take Elon Musk as an example. (laughs) You love Elon Musk. For the record, loathe. Yeah loathe hate double hate loathe entirely um 
I do not have nearly the strong feelings about Elon that that you do, but um, he is like the definition of of gap. You think so? Yeah. Oh, we got to get to Mars. Oh, well, we got to get. Oh, we got to build this company. Oh, I already made four hundred million. I got to make more. Like the way that he talks to the world, you would think. Because it's about like innovation for preservation of. Well, no, I don't think he talks to the world that way at all. I think he talks to the world like a complete psychopath. <laughs> I think he talks to the world with like almost zero humility. This yeah. is what I was getting to. Is this is like, I think he talks to the world with almost zero humility, and at the same time, only sees problems. Mm-hmm. Which is a very interesting like juxtaposition, where like I can do anything, and oh my gosh, we've done nothing. Right? Like, there's an interesting yeah. like. So to like to your point is like what's the correlation? It's an anecdotal one example. I don't even know the guy, obviously, but like mm-hmm. I do think there's an element of that. The one that I'm curious about is like self self esteem in relation to this mindset. Oh, would you say that you have? So you've transitioned from gain to more, or from gap to more gain? Uh, I wouldn't say I've like transitioned. I've said I've have gotten better about not only being gap. Okay. So a good example of this is like this morning. We had a front squat build to a one rep max single. Like, and actually, they were like, leave some in the tank. Like, don't necessarily max out, which takes all the pressure off of it. Might be part of this. But it's like, see how you do, whatever. And it was like morning. I'd just woken up, you know. Yeah. Theoretically speaking, not your like prime time lifting hour, had no caffeine, like all the stuff. PR'd by 20 pounds. And in that moment, I did not go, well, need to make it heavier still. It was like, wow. That's pretty cool. And like at the beginning of the year, I set a I set a goal of, I just remembered this. I wrote down on a piece of paper to front squat this number, and I was forty pounds off of it. And then I hit it, which is pretty cool. That's so very cool. I didn't in that moment for probably the first time ever go ah, but it's not good enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I I like was like oh that was cool, that was great. You didn't go to like. Yeah, but games numbers are right. Blank. I didn't go like well, I'm still not like that strong in my training think tank group like okay because what's the point you just make yourself feel like shit well that's (laughs) i think that's maybe the overarching thing to over generalize this what's the point of having a gap mindset Mm -hmm. you need to see the gap yeah but not live in the gap yeah and i think that there's something that's taught to you in like this is again i think I think there's a lot of like societal pressure that makes this the reality for most people. I actually don't know very many, very many people who can live in gain. Yeah. Like Brian Kavicki is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't ever have like a, oh man, but like look how much we haven't done. Like it's just not how he operates. He's like, yeah, things are good. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep being good. Kevin Bailey's a little bit like that. Like some of these people who are like more in touch with the whole like, see opportunity everywhere but what about when things aren't good i don't know you know that's the thing that's what i mean like i don't know i haven't seen what those kind of guys operate like when things aren't good um but i think there's also this element of like you're only doing right if you're overly humble Hmm. keep going so we hate hubris and like for some reason people hate it people people hate being needy and people hate thinking a lot of yourself openly. We loathe those two things. Yeah. And I don't know why about the needy one. That's like a very interesting thing. But, you know, like watch the like high schoolers 
like the girl is just so repulsed by the guy who's obsessed with her. Like that is like the most cliche thing in the world and true. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like that, like in sales. Like if I walk into a sales call and I'm like, oh my gosh, we just want to work with you so badly. Everybody's like, what the fuck? Yeah, get out like, of here. You must be really bad at your job. Like that's the, infer- like you, must, you guys must be terrible if you need this business that badly. Um, and then on the flip side, not being overly humble, like overtly, ridiculously humble gets you like crucified by the mob. Like, just think about athletes. We hate them when they admit to being great at things. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Like, why? So there's some sort of thing that gets taught to you that, like, you should not accept praise. You should always be looking for what you're not good at. And you should always be thinking, like, well, I'm not, I'm not that special. Like, it's okay. Yeah, no, no, everybody can do this. This isn't a thing. Like, I don't know what that psychological, like, issue is, but we don't accept it. I don't like getting compliments. Do you like getting compliments? I can. I, and th- this is like a, a deep thing that needs worked on, but like unable to accept. You the can't compliment. accept them. It was last night. We were sitting with John, right? Uh, and and we were, so. we were, John and I were saying nice things about you and you were so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand it. Yeah. It's just, and it, me either. I just get uncomfortable. It's this combination of humility, self-esteem, gain gap like they're all just interrelated in so many different ways well i think if you can have good self-esteem you can be like wow yeah like i did some stuff i cared about that i did it well and you can also be like and i want to get better and those those two things can coexist in like a lovely balance because the situation that you're in is the situation that you're in in the context of business if it's performing well it's performing well if it's not it's not your mindset whether you're thinking gain or gap about it doesn't change the situation right but it might change how you take action on it yeah totally so you can sit and like oh man we're so far off from a goal or oh we're so far behind or whatever and you're like that negativity is going to actually prevent progress yep think about the inverse things are great and you're like everything's gravy we don't need to stress out like think about how behaviors shift and how like action-oriented people become when things are bad yes what if you were just like that all the time when things are good. That's been in my head so much for the last three months. Like, so much. I'm like, because it's not been a good sales year. I don't get into specific numbers and stuff, but it's not been good. And so when that happens, everybody's like, all right, like, action team. And you're like, all right, what are my behaviors? I'm going back to my playbook. I'm like, all right, what should we be testing? Yeah. All these things. And it's like, wait, why didn't we do that when we're crushing it? You know what's interesting, though, man? I think it's because we don't know what to do. Say more. Okay, um... I was talking to my friends this past weekend and we were just talking about like athletics and like life and just, you know, like we all played college soccer together. So we were not talking about playing college soccer, but we were just talking about like, what do you miss about being an athlete? And I said, you know, the thing I think I miss the most is that when, when you're an athlete, you play inside of a game with rules and there are certain skills that make you better at winning that game inside of those rules, whether that's, I need to get faster I need to get stronger. I need to get better technique in this position. I need to deal with this situation better. Like whatever that is, I need to learn how to handle my emotions better. Like there's so many clear answers. There's formulas for getting better that you can go and be like, I want to do this thing. And then you can work on it repeatedly every single day and get feedback like constantly. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. And like fitness is the same way. I think one of the reasons you and I love fitness is that like it's so easy to see progress or to know that you're off track. So like 
I know if I, I wake up every day and I have a training program and if I do my training program and I sleep and I eat and I don't stress out too much, I'm going to get stronger. Yep. And that has been proven to be very true. Even at 30, it's very true. I saw a great thing from Kobe the other day. It was like some interview from back in the day and he was talking about his training schedule and he was like, I get up earlier and so rather than these other people who are training three times a day, I'm training five times a day. And then you compound that over five years, like who's going to be better? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a clear playbook. Like do more work, be smarter. Like The only hard part is making sure that you do, like, I think the hard part is doing the right amount of work. Yeah. But like, yeah, basically it's that. Like strip out the nuance of recovery and all that stuff. Like work harder. Work hard at and the you thing will, you need to get yeah. better at. I think one of the interesting things that makes it way different in the business world is like in a sport, let's take soccer, for example. There's so many less variables to navigate. Like, sure, the weather might be different on that a day. Matter. Or they Everybody's might have a player who's, like, excellent in something compared to the right? But it's not like all of a sudden you're going to start a game and the ref's going to be like, all right, so goals are now three and a half points. Right. And we're moving the... <laughs> and by like, the way, you can run with the ball in your hands. Yeah. Like, we're not changing the game. Whereas that's what business is. It's like, oh, by the way, there's this no industry rules. is, like, dead now. Yeah. There's oh, no by rules. the way, the economy that's completely out of your control is, like, going to destroy a whole go-to-market plan. Yeah. It's like... You're just navigating so much more change. Well, and like Simon Sinek uses this terminology of like infinite and finite games. Yeah. Like games that have ends, games that don't is how he means it. And I also think about it in the terms of like games that have no playbooks and no rules versus games that are defined. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like, I mean, if I were to sit down and be like, read, like off the, just off the top of your head, just be like, read in your role, what are the areas that you must get better at and how are you going to get better at them? That doesn't just like, you don't just go, yep, I'll do that. But let me give you an example. I was really bad at taking crosses as a goalkeeper. A little bit undersized. Wasn't good in the air. Like, I, but you know, it was weird. I was bad in the air on pop flies in baseball. I, there's something about my ability to judge a thing moving high in the air that's weird. Because when it's lower, I'm great at it. Like, side to side, on the ground, great at it. But for some reason that, well, I could know that like, all right, I'm bad at crosses. I should take 50 crosses a day after practice. Yeah. I could get better at them. But like when I look at my sales stuff, I'm like, why did I lose that deal? What am I bad at? Is it this problem or this problem? Is it that I don't have a clear articulated pain when I reach out to somebody? Is it because these people don't even receive the message? Is it because they already have the solution? Like, there are What's their financial situation? Like, infinite reasons mm-hmm. to fail. So how do you get better? And so it's like really hard to create the same amount of dedication and like we were talking before we hopped in the air, like you're like, yeah, when I was in London, this was what my training program looked like. And it's like, well, dude, if you wanted to run like that again, you could like, you could just go run that playbook back and it yeah, probably could, would work great. I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like playbook done. And that's like the thing. It, what it is, is it's assurance, it's security, it's clarity, it's belief. Your brain's like, it will work. So it works because you know it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, dude, I'm doing nothing different from last year with training other than just thinking it's going to work. And it's just working. <laughs> so I think that's the thing. We need to sort of bring ourselves back to this main topic, this topic of gain versus gap, because let's talk about the professional context. There's so many things that are less in your control that you're navigating and have to be able to manage and all that kind of stuff. And so it's harder, it feels like, oftentimes to keep a gain mindset there. Yeah. 
He's like, all right, well, now there's this new challenge we need to navigate. Now there's this new factor. Now there's all these things. It's like constant, just like adding into the gap. Do you think there's something about it not also being like your control? Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to think more into that. Because at the same time, for me specifically, if we think about the context of phys- fitness, where like it is all under my control, my nutrition, sleep, what I exercise, all that stuff is completely in my control. And yet I still... I'm not as gap in fitness as I am in, let's say, work generally, but I'm not a gain mindset. Mm -hmm. I worked towards a goal for six years, achieved it, and cared about it for two seconds. It's like, all right, so what's like this next thing? You know, I I think there's also something there about like the goal. Achieving the goal is actually really not that much fun. Yeah, like I mean, it's cool. You're like, oh, I did it. Cool. But then you quickly realize that you still feel the exact same as you felt after. So it's more about like having the goal, mm-hmm. having a purpose to what you do. Yeah, that like is the fulfilling part. Mm-hmm. I think you like people talk about this a lot. Like even even people who are independently wealthy at this point are like, oh, the process of making the money was way more fun than having it. Yeah, like it's some there's something about the journey being fun that is the best part, and like that's a thing too. So I don't think it's necessarily that like you're just overly gap in that scenario where it's just like goals don't technically feel that great to experience like to achieve because nothing changes i think that actually takes us back to a previous goal conversation we had where it was like talking about these more iterative goals versus like this big thing that's often some Mm -hmm. other universe right and that and there might be a, a tool that you could use of setting more iterative goals and then using that as the like forcing function for the gain mindset of like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, I achieved this one. That's great. Like we're still marching towards this other thing, but oh, I achieved this and oh, I achieved this, right? Yep. Like, like if I think about my running right now, I'm training for a marathon that's in a couple months. Man, it's closer than I was thinking and potentially an ultra marathon, right? But there's no goal between like, today and having completed that marathon i'm not like going for any specific mm-hmm. mile repeat thing i'm not going for any certain like mileage that's gonna feel like a winner it's like i will i'm just like training and then there's the goal yep and i think that makes it much easier to land yourself in gap because there's no, there's this void of not achieving anything until you achieve a thing yeah i think you're right about that because even thinking about it in fitness, again, it makes it so easy. Like we do, you know, six to eight to 10 week cycles, depending on what time of year it is. Most of the time they're eight. So let's just say it's eight. And during that eight week cycle, the first week and the last week are test weeks. We'll test, train a bunch of stuff, test again. Every eight weeks, like that's, that's a pretty quick feedback loop. Mm-hmm. And even throughout the process, you'll have days where you're like, oh, that was better. You know, like you get these mini wins where you figure out like I'm getting better at something, you know? I mean, I had one earlier this week where it was like a, a ring muscle up tester and like hard movement, probably the toughest gymnastics movement to do. And I was like just smoking what I thought I could do. And it's like, wow, got a lot better at these. Pretty cool. Unexpected, random feedback loop. Great stuff. It's just really hard to have that. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe we just think it is because in work, let's say. You have like a revenue target, which is always off in the distance, about 12 months. You have like quarterly targets. They're still 12 weeks away. You have like, you try to chunk it down, but I think there's oftentimes where it's not always inside of your control that makes it a little bit tougher. Things can change. Like you said, like 
literally you could set that goal and then like the economy could fall out of the bottom and you're never going to reach it. Or, um, you could have a goal of like inside of marketing creation. Like I want to make this client story. I want to make this thing. And then like, let's just use a client example. Client could fire us and it's like, well, I guess that goal has gone. Yep. <laughs> um, and also when you make it, you don't get immediate feedback on like, was it good? Mm-hmm. You don't know if it's good. You're like, I think it's good. But like, what does good even mean? Good doesn't have definition. Again, inside of really clear goals, really clear games with definitions of success, it's like, did I lift more weight? Very clear. Did I run the race faster? Very clear. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is like creating scorecards that as silly as it sounds and as like trivial as it sounds, but they teach you that you're actually getting better even when you can't necessarily quote unquote like see it. I, very hard. I wish I had like a good solution for doing that work-wise. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that either. I mean, the, the only thing I can think about is a couple years ago, we did like a very routine playbook-oriented outreach program, mm-hmm. like, sale, like sales prospecting, cold calling, and all this stuff. And it re- achieved no outcomes, right? Essentially no outcomes. And it felt awesome doing it the entire time. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, I did the things. It was it was like having a training plan and doing the training plan. Yep, doing the reps. And the, the frustrating part is that when you do the training plan, you get better. Because mm-hmm. it's all about doing the plan. When you do the work plan, your work plan could be wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, because I don't write my own training, I don't have to deal with that problem. I just follow somebody else's plan. This one, I write the plan or co-author the plan. And then I execute on the plan. And if the plan is wrong, it's like, was my execution bad or was the plan wrong? Right. Mm-hmm. That makes I yeah. Maybe that maybe that's the problem. I don't know. I don't know. But it's, I I think if it could be solved, it would make work so much more fun. And I also think it would help with like our original conversation around gain gaps. You'd be like, wow, look at all the stuff that I'm doing along this plan, and look at like when this got better and when that happened, and like oh, we'll use sales because it's easy for me. Oh, I closed my first cold deal of the year, or like you know what I mean. I, I these do. Little moments. But I also think some of this stuff can just be simplified down to make the decision. To me, like so many yeah. things are just make decisions. I think decide that you're going to appreciate the progress that you've made. Decide to think about the progress that you've made versus decide to not. I think a lot of it is really just making decisions. I think, yeah, you're probably right. I think also like decide to make, to, to see the progress that you've made requires that you have a way to track it in some sense. Mm-hmm. That tracking could be as simple as like free form journaling. Yeah. Or as, as metric oriented as like a scorecard. Mm-hmm. But Figure out some way to like be reflective. Yeah, it requires reflection. It requires sure. reflection. How much do you? How much do you do reflection? Uh, like thinking constantly. Uh, but, but like really, like but documenting not as much as I should. But like dedicated, like reflection time. You sit quietly. I don't do shit, and I reflect. Not a ton. Some, yeah. but not a ton. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm the most gap person. Well, may- maybe that we know. Well, that's why I'm- so I'm curious about because if you're like, oh, I do a lot of it, and you're like, but I'm also the most gap. They'd be like, well, is that true? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely need to make the decision to be more of a gain person. So it is interesting, like how, how you're right of like just make the decision to do it in but all things. We're always like waiting to fear whatever or something. resistance to change. What do you think it is that like stops people from? Do you think it's just because we think it's overly simplistic? I think it's resistance to change. I don't have a good like punctuation if yeah. I'm honest. Yeah. 
He's like, try on the hat of gain. Well, it's interesting too. The thing that keeps coming back to my head is the conversation we had about like being versus achieving goals. Mm-hmm. Setting some big achievement thing out in the in the future seems like the right way to like, okay, now I'm going to backtrack this to it's annual. Now I'm going to make it quarter, like and I'm going to make the quarterly steps and then I'm going to make the weekly steps inside of the quarter and then I'll get my all the way back to daily activities. And in theory, that logically would help you see progress. Mm-hmm. But like, People are just really emotional. So I don't know that the logical side of it matters. I'm thinking about even my training for this marathon that's coming up, right? Like, what if my mindset was not, I'm going to do this marathon or I'm going to do it in a certain time. It's just, I'm going to train like the person who does. And if I get to the end of the week and it was a good week of training, gain. Yeah. Right? Hey, that was another great week. Let's go have another good one. even if it wasn't, there's this phrase that the guy who runs the training program that I follow uses. He'd be like, every day you move dirt. Some days you move it with a spoon. So even when it's a shit week, you might just be like, it was a shit week. I moved dirt though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just that little thing. Like I've had shit days throughout this last cycle and it's like, wow, that, that sucked. I felt like crap today and my performance was super average. But you know what? I moved dirt today. Oh yeah. Like for me today, I'm going to be super disappointed if I don't run. Yeah. But I'll still run 35 miles this week. Yeah. You know, like I, like, did, I did, I put some work in this week. Yeah. It is interesting. It's easier. It's, I think it is significantly easier mentally to beat ourselves up and to like feel that than it is to be like, I'm doing the right stuff. Yeah. And maybe it's the fear of if I'm doing the right stuff and it doesn't happen, what does that mean about me? Mm-hmm. I think there's part of it. There's part of it that's that for me. It's like, if I'm doing all the right things and it's not working, I must be the problem. I think that's it for me. I think we need to put a pin in that and circle yeah, back. That sounds like that sounds like an interesting follow-up conversation. Well, let's have that at some point here soon. Okay.